In the realm of true crime, every crime scene tells a story. Every story has its truths. These are the stories from behind badges and prison bars that separate fact from fiction. London's picture postcard of royal pageantry hides an ominous threat. The United Kingdom has become a fertile breeding ground for terrorists. I opened my television news report from London in January of 2005 with an investigation that tracked terrorist activities from the United States to the United Kingdom. Hello, this is Robert Riggs. In the wake of the recent Hamas attack that killed over 1,000 Israelis, I've opened up my investigative archives from 18 years ago. In this episode, you will hear how we followed a trail of illegal fundraising for Hamas by the Holy Land Foundation in North Texas, with links to a terrorist recruiting campaign in Birmingham, England. After my embedded assignment with the U.S. Army during the invasion of Iraq in 2003, investigative producer Todd Benzman and I focused on how terrorists were using the Internet to raise money and recruit followers. Our investigation uncovered a monthly online magazine called Al-Suna that solicited suicide bombers to attack American and coalition troops in Iraq as well as Israelis. We tracked the origins of the web magazine to an internet hosting company linked to three Palestinian brothers who were later convicted on federal charges of providing material support to the terrorist group Hamas. The internet company named Synaptics was based in Richardson, Texas, a suburb of Dallas. Its management was intertwined with the Holy Land Foundation, which illegally acted as a fundraising arm for Hamas in America. The Holy Land Foundation had hidden its financial support for Hamas behind the guise of charitable donations. The foundation and its five leaders were convicted on terrorism charges in November of 2008, following our investigation from three years earlier. They had provided approximately $12.4 million in support to Hamas and its goal of creating an Islamic Palestinian state by eliminating the state of Israel through violent jihad. The money was sent to Hamas groups in Gaza and the West Bank to support the families of Hamas martyrs, detainees, and activists. According to an FBI wiretap, a Holy Land leader in New Jersey referred to a suicide bombing as a beautiful operation. It was during this time period in 2007 that Hamas seized power in Gaza. The federal government also presented evidence at the terrorism trial that several of the convicted leaders of the Holy Land Foundation had family members who were Hamas leaders, including Hamas political chief Musa Abu Marzouk. Before I delve further, it's imperative to briefly jump to the present day where the echoes of history about Marzouk are perhaps louder than ever. Reporter's Notebook, October 10, 
2023. Three days after Hamas massacred more than 1,200 people, the Intelligence Podcast for The Economist magazine interviewed Marzouk at its studio in Qatar. The show's host, Zani Mentobedos, interviewed Marzouk through an interpreter. Marzouk expressed no remorse and refused to admit that his group planned to kill civilians. Here's a clip from the interview. I have to start by asking, how can you justify the atrocities that have been committed in Israel, murdering hundreds of innocent people? For sure, for sure, the Al-Qassam fighters did not commit any atrocities. They were committed to the international and moral laws. They were fighting against settlers and uh, soldiers. I'm sorry, <clears throat> that is manifestly not true. <laughs> the scenes from the music festival, the greatest loss of Jewish life in a mass murder since the Holocaust, the main target was 50 military posts, and the festive music festival was, by coincidence, maybe those uh, those uh, uh, were bypassers uh, to the uh, festival of music. How can it be bypassers when they were together in their hundreds and they were clearly attacked? They were not randomly, you could not have confused them with anything other than innocent civilians. I'm sorry, that's not credible. Marzu claimed that Hamas militants had not killed any Israeli children, despite graphic, photographic, and eyewitness evidence to the contrary. He denied that Iran was involved in the attack and claimed Hamas would not hurt the hostages. Ultimately, Marzouk stressed that Hamas will never recognize the state of Israel's right to exist. Palestine belongs to the Palestinians. And you don't care how many Palestinians are killed in the process of you pursuing this dream. Of course, freedom is more valuable than my life. Dignity is more valuable than life. And what The homeland is more than, important more than life. Many people would listen to that and say those are the words of a fanatic. The Hamas leader made clear that the only way to peace is through violent means. Do you consider this to have been a victory? The image of the Arab defeat since 1948 have been ended after the year 2000. And the Israeli can't defeat the Palestinian. The wars of 2008-2012 are a significant proof. You can find a link in the show notes to hear the full Economist podcast interview with Marzouk and its analysis of his responses. Reporter's Notebook 2005 To fully appreciate the magnitude of today's events, Let's pivot back to my investigation of Hamas in the United Kingdom. We tracked Al-Sunnah, the online terrorist recruiting magazine that I told you about earlier, from the North Texas Internet Company to the Center for Islamic Studies in Birmingham, England. An hour and a half drive northwest of London, we arrived in Smallheath, a community of 90,000 Pakistani immigrants. The storefronts looked like London. 
Everybody spoke English. People wore a mix of clothing from Western and Pakistani culture. The center occupied a small two-story office with fading green double doors. No one answered our knock at the door, our calls, or emails. A small group of natives from Arab countries had set up shop to recruit, claiming that only they could interpret the true meaning of the Quran. We obtained a propaganda leaflet circulated by the center that stated, The youth of Iraq have no path to take other than martyrdom operation. Security experts in the United Kingdom described the Al-Sunnah magazine and its articles justifying violence as influential among young militant Muslims in Europe, where the Internet version of Synaptics Richardson, Texas servers was well-read in large immigrant communities. If you preach hatred, talk about intolerance, you're very able to, to successfully carry out ideas in the minds of young individuals. Not all of them will go on to become terrorists, but you don't need all of them. You just need a handful. It only took 19 people to create 9-11. In London, I interviewed Sajan Govell, Director of International Security for the London-based Asia-Pacific Foundation, a counterterrorism think tank that researches security issues for international businesses. Govell told me that two Birmingham-area suicide bombers responsible for a bloody 2002 attack on an Israeli pub, were believed to have been adherents of the Center for Islamic Studies and readers of the Al-Sunnah magazine. Govell warned that the Internet had become the single most important weapon for Islamic extremists. Their oxygen, their outlet to give out information, purport their agenda, extort their propaganda. A year later, in January 2006, following my reports on links between the Al-Sunnah Internet Magazine and Hamas fundraising, we made another shocking discovery. Mufid Abdicator, a half-brother of Hamas political leader Khalid Mashal, had worked as a civil engineer for the city of Dallas for eight years. More shocking, Abdicator led an eight-man singing group at fundraising events for Hamas across the United States. We obtained a hidden camera video of one of their performances in front of a large audience. Hate-filled lyrics glorified the killing of Jewish people. They sang, Death to the Jews is precious. Jews will not fear threats, only action. So Hamas hit them with the shoe bottoms of Islam and Hamas. End quote. In 2009, Al-Bakater was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison for raising money for Hamas as part of the Holy Land Foundation terrorism investigation. The FBI had warned city officials, but they allowed the Hamas fundraiser to continue working with an expired engineering license with access to the city's infrastructure. Retired FBI agent Tino Perez supervised the FBI's case against the Holy Land Foundation. Perez said that the skits and songs went beyond the boundaries of free speech. When you take activities such as that freedom of speech and couple it with fundraising for terrorist organizations, then, you, then you're crossing the line into illegal activities. Before I delve further, 
it's imperative to briefly jump to the present day, where the echoes of history are perhaps louder than ever. Reporter's Notebook, October 11, 2023. Four days after Hamas terrorists attacked Israel. Former Hamas chief Khalid Mishal, the half-brother of the Dallas City engineer who was convicted of funneling money to Hamas, called for protest across the Muslim world in support of the Palestinians and for the peoples of neighboring countries to join the fight against Israel. To fully grasp today's unfolding drama, let's turn back the clock to a seminal moment. Reporter's Notebook, January 2005, Birmingham, England. While investigating the online terrorist recruiting campaign that originated in North Texas and led us to the door of the Center for Islamic Studies in Birmingham, England, I met Abu Khadijah Wahid, ran a politically moderate Islamic bookstore a block away and had been trying to counter the terrorist message spouted by the center's Syrians, Egyptians, and Libyans. Wahid prophetically warned that the center's propaganda message would become the principal mean of recruiting terrorists. He told me, you don't have to put a gun in someone's hand. You just have to put the thought in their mind. They will go and find their own gun. In closing, here's my reporter's recap and reflections. Six months after my original investigative report aired on CBS, four suicide bombers struck London's transport network, killing 52 people and injuring over 770 others on July 7, 2005. Three of the blasts happened on the London Underground subway system. Sajan Govell, we had interviewed for our report six months earlier, had predicted that London's transport system was ripe for such attack, just as it happened. But apparently, no one listened. Thanks for listening to the True Crime Reporter podcast, and please share it with your friends. Until we meet again, be prepared, don't get scared. This is Robert Riggs reporting.